I'm Angela Acosta, a New Jersey photographer, and welcome to Diana Prince Lives Next Door. Through my journey as a photographer and business owner, I have met so many remarkable women who make limitless contributions to make this world a better place. This series is dedicated to them. I want to acknowledge their power, their phenomenal beauty, and I want to shine a spotlight on their daily heroism. Today's Diana Prince is Kim Addis. Kim is the founder of Frame of Mind Coaching and the journal that talks back. She is an author, speaker, entrepreneur, coach, and mom of five children. And that's why she's my Diana Prince for today. Kim, thank you for joining me on Diana Prince. I'm closing out a series on life transitions, and I've had a couple of guests who shared their inspiring stories and their challenges on how they transition from corporate jobs to business owners. So this is right in your wheelhouse. I thought it would be great to close it out to get your expert feedback on why women resist these life transitions, even if, you know, on the other end, you got the grass that's greener. So thank you for agreeing to converse on this topic. Oh, I'm excited to be here and I'm excited to talk about this issue. It's, uh, it's actually a very relevant and hot topic, especially right now. People are moving a lot, not only from one house to another, but a lot in their work. So happy to be having this conversation. I'm seeing a lot of resistance to transition lately. Oh, great. I figured we could use my story as an Let's. example. And you tell me, I'm going to throw out my background out there and ask questions, please. <laughs> right. I'm going to take so, notes. I'm going to take some notes. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's actually my first time talking about it. Okay. Yeah to be quite honest. So it's, it feels good to just get it out as well. I was in corporate for 30 years before I jumped to be a business owner, but I've always wanted the freedom of being a business owner. I always had a side hustle, right? So, so for 30 years, I'm collecting a paycheck that is to me stable and everything like that. And I'm telling myself this, I'm just better off that the discipline that's in corporate and everything. But then things change because things started to crystallize for me. As I got older, I wanted to do something different. And the ideas of how I wanted to spend the rest of my life started getting more crystal. And I wanted it more and more. But here's what I did. At 50, because at 50, you kind of roll out of bed and everything looks different. At 50, I knew I, that's when it crystallized for me. So I come up with this five-year plan of how I was going to transition out. And there were a lot of issues that I was having at, at work in terms of the way we worked, what was on my plate. So I figured it, at 55, I can get my retirement benefits. And in those five years, this is, did set out a, a game plan. Had no, okay. no mentor at the time. But, you know, basically, like I just started like assessing everything I was doing. Because like I said, I didn't even have time to think because yeah. there were just energy suckers everywhere in corporate. You, you didn't you know? have time to think in five years? No, let me back up. I was literally productive for the 40 hours that I was at work. Okay. And nights I didn't have energy. It, it's all the trappings of corporate. There's not much left after that in terms of that. So I just started looking at what wasn't working for me and started pushing things out. And that included my workload, taking care of office politics and just kind of even identifying those people that are just weren't my best interest, like that drain me. I became very unpopular fast, but I did open up the time and I did started to have my energy and 
it was a good thing that I did do. But at 55, here's what happened. At 50, when I get to 55, I was still there. And I did, I did put everything in place. I started doing my business on the side. I was bringing in some clients, but I was still there. And uh, I was really getting a bad case of the buckets after every yeah. month that passed and so on and so far. And I was miserable. It's one of those situations where you're like, okay, I'm sitting in, but I was telling myself it wasn't so bad. And what was it? It was the security. I could say that much. I was afraid to let go of the salary and everything else. And it was just, I could tell you the stories that I was just telling myself, why not this month? Why not that month? And it goes on and on. So how long did you stay? Stayed about almost two years after a year and a half longer than I anticipated. Or was it at least six and a half years longer? It was at least six and a half years longer because okay. I, yeah, I'm going to, yeah, let's talk about that because I could have left at 50. Well, here's what's interesting to me, right? So you started to make some decisions. First of all, I don't, how old are you now? I'm going to be 57 in April. Okay. So you look fantastic for starters. Just want to say you. that. I don't know if leaving your job made you look younger, but you look fabulous. I want to look like you at that age. Okay, so so let's go back, right? At 50, you wake up, you're like, okay, I don't want this life anymore. I want a different life. So to me, what's interesting is you created a five-year plan. Like you decided to stick out this life for at least five more years when you were already done. And what happened was you showed up at work being done. You said I became a Really, I hear is you became disengaged, right? You stopped doing all the things that were expected of you. You're like, I'm out. I'm going to do my work, but now I'm out. I'm not giving you an inch more of me. So your level of commitment, engagement, involvement, like you were there in body, but maybe not in spirit, right? Yeah. And yeah, it was, it was a, I, you know what? Going back to it, I can definitely say that because it actually something triggers where you, that's obviously where you want something else. You may not know how to get it, but I can say that from my standpoint, looking back at it, yes. Okay. So, so to me, living five years, and again, you did six and a half, but living, deciding that living for five years in a state of disengagement is not okay. It's not okay. Why? Because we have a certain lifespan. And five years is a long time in our lifespan. Okay. So yeah. for me, the first question that I have is, so like, why was a five-year plan okay? Why? And I understand where you were going. Oh, well, then I'll get my benefits and I'll get my Medicare and all the things that I need to get. Oh, it's safer. It's safer. You're right. Right? Right. And it's, it, I'm so glad that we're diving, diving deep. I'm hoping that any woman that listens to this really starts looking, their choices are on a day-to-day -day basis. Because right. to me, five years ago, that sounded valid. And if I look right. at it now, I was uh, latched on to my benefits, like yeah. if they were life and death for right. me. Also, question for you. Did you discuss your five-year plan with anybody? With my husband. Okay. And he said, okay. That was an ongoing conversation. Because <laughs> he wasn't comfortable with it? Uh, no. Because I didn't have everything in place yet where okay. he... He could be comfortable with it. I didn't have the client flow or anything like that. So it was a risk. Yes, it's a risk. And so I think the walking risk across was across the street every day, right? So it's a yeah. risk. So, but to me, the bigger risk is dedicating your life to something that is soul sucking for five more yeah. years. But then it ended up to be six and a half. 
to me, that's a far greater risk. Wow. Because it's a certain risk. It's yeah. certain that the next five years, I'm going to be unhappy and feel like people are sucking my energy. I'm going to be tired. I'm going to have nothing left at the end of the day. For the next five years, that's a guarantee. How do I know? Because I've been here for 30 years. I know, right? It's a guarantee. Whereas leaving a bit earlier, nothing guaranteed, but there's a possibility of something better. But you didn't choose that. You chose the guarantee of more misery. Fascinating, right? Because you have a yeah. perception, a false perception of security, right? So, so you're asking, why do people, women, people, men, doesn't really matter to me, why do they have trouble with transition? Because they have a set of beliefs, just like you. They have a set of beliefs that say, this here decision is safer. It's wiser. It's more responsible. Yeah. It keeps people around me more comfortable. It's the right thing to do. Yeah. It's literally blowing my mind. What I was telling myself was, this is the logical way to go about this and yeah. just phase myself out. It's I logical. Need a, yeah. yeah. It's all, that's all it is, right? But is it logical? <laughs> but is it logical? Is it logical to keep yourself in a place for six and a half years when clearly this place is causing you unhappiness, dissatisfaction? Is that logical? Like, me. Let's say you, let's say you're 60. Is it logical to dedicate 10% of your life to misery? Doesn't no. make any sense. No, that's it doesn't make logical, it. Right? No, is it doesn't. Is it logical to take a sure bet of misery or is it logical to take a bet of something new, different, exciting? So what happens is our beliefs create this confusion in our brain where we're misassessing risk. We're imagining risk is often worse than it really is. It's harder than it really is, right? And we oftentimes don't take that step because we perceive that risk to be more strenuous than reality. So I'll give you another example, okay? So I do a lot of speaking engagements, a lot. And I always ask for a volunteer from the audience. Doesn't matter if the audience is 10 people or 800 people. Doesn't matter. Do you know how many volunteers I get? How many? One if I'm lucky. Wow. Okay, so I ask for a volunteer. The audience goes, everybody's uncomfortable. Sometimes the person who's most uncomfortable says, all right, I'll go up, right? So I'm there. People come to see me. They're there because they want to learn something. They're there voluntarily. Nobody's putting a gun to their heads. They're there because they want to be there typically. And where's the best place to learn? By coming up and volunteering. But how many people rush to this? Very few. Percentages really small. Why is that? Because they perceive the risk to be much bigger than it is. They have a dialogue that runs in their heads. What does that dialogue say? I'm not going up. I don't know what she wants from me. I don't want to look like a fool. I don't want to be vulnerable. I don't want to self-expose. On and on. I'm just going to sit back and watch and wait because it's safer here. Yeah. No. Right. And that is me. That or is you. was me. That right. was me. Right. Corporate. Okay. So. so so what does it get you? What does it win you? Nothing. So let's say you come up and you look a little foolish because that could happen. So what? Are you going to die? Is your life at risk? Is it a life-threatening situation? No, but we perceive it to be worse than it is. So you quit. Let's just say you quit. You quit after a year instead of five or six and a half years. You quit. You have your one-year plan, your six-month plan, whatever it is. You have your plan. You put some things in place, which fine. Okay. You want to think things through, no problem. But then you quit. Now what? You figure things out, 
What you didn't do was trust yourself to th- figure things out. You didn't do that. Correct. Like, I got to be perfect before I go. I got to have everything ready to go because I don't trust that I will figure things out because in my whole 50 years, I've never figured anything out. Correct. I'm sarcastic. No, it's, I know you No, I am literally looking at the mirror right now. And yeah, that's basic. That is the reality. That right. is what is really happening. That is what happened to me. Yes. And the sad thing is, and you cut, you hit the nail on the head and I never freaking looked at this one is that I dedicated another six and a half years to a life that I, I didn't really want. Do the math, the percentage of my entire life. And at 50, the time just becomes more valuable and it was too much. So when you look at it and uh, I have gone, I have gone back just like uh, kind of assessed and yeah. what the fuck was I doing kind of situation. Yeah. And uh and I know it's my personality and I know it's the safe thing and stuff. But it's not like your personality. That. It's not your personality. Really? Because I could call it your personality. If you no, call it your personality, well, it? because personalities, you, we, our personalities don't change. Our personalities are fixed. But what is changeable is our thinking. Our beliefs are, uh, are ch- okay. changeable. So it's your beliefs that got in the way. My belief is I got to be perfect. My belief is I got to be organized. My belief is I got to be responsible. My belief is I don't want to fail. Here it's safe. Here it's sure. I know what I'm doing. Over there, I'm not so sure. And my belief is, well, what if things go wrong? What if I can't face anybody? What if I fail? What if, what if, what if? Okay, what if? So when I say it's a personality thing that I'm accepting it to be hard-coded in me, and it's not, and anybody that says it. Yeah, exactly. It's not a personality trait. It's a thinking glitch. It's a belief system that causes you to say, here is the way things are. Here's the way they must be. And you've invented that. You've created that. You've put that in place for no reason. Because maybe you grew up that way. Maybe you were always told to be careful. Be careful. Don't make a mistake. Be cautious. Be responsible. Get a paycheck. Get a paycheck. Right. All of those things. Oh, wow. Wow. No. And uh, it's so. Yeah. Let's kind of give you a little bit of the framework here. The way you think. Right. When I have a thought over and over again, that forms a belief. And so you have a whole bunch of beliefs and those beliefs determine what you do and what you don't do. So if you believe that it's going to be scary to not have a paycheck, what are you going to do? You're going to hang out at this terrible job for six and a half years. The beliefs you have will determine what you do and what you don't do. And so very often, like let's say we were to go back, right? Six and a half years ago, seven years ago at this point, right? Let's say you were 50 and I would say, you know what? Just quit. There's no way you would have done that. You would not have taken the action because your beliefs were still planted in all the fear. That's why when I work with people, with clients as a coach, I don't tell them what to do. I don't just say, here, just do this. I explore their beliefs because if your beliefs are, that's terrifying, you're never going to make a move. But if we discuss your beliefs and I show you how your beliefs are maybe a little bit blurry, skewed, confused, not aligned with your goals, and I can show you how to trade up your beliefs for something even slightly better now we have movement now you're not so planted now we have the possibility for something new yeah right so that's what needs to happen we need to address our thinking before making a major change 
When we feel resistance, when we feel terrified, whether it's a transition from a corporate job to a business or whether it's from being in a total marriage out of the marriage or, or moving from one city to the next or whatever the heck the transition is, right? When we feel resistance, when we feel terror, the question we need to ask ourselves is, what do we believe to be true about this situation, this transition, this thing that's going on, right? So I'll give you an example. Yesterday, I had a call with some people and one of the women on the call said, like, I just got news from my boss and basically things have changed at work and I don't like the change and I don't want to do the job that now I'm requested, being re requested to do. Meanwhile, she has three other opportunities that are possible for her, but she feels betrayed and she feels angry and she feels, and I'm like, okay, you can feel all those things, but how does that help you? Like what's really happening here is you're getting kicked out into those opportunities. So what makes you so afraid? She said, I don't feel I'm good enough. Ah, now we're talking. Now we're addressing the core issue. When you don't feel like you're good enough, do you run to new things? You don't. You hold on for dear life. So that's yeah. what we need to address. That's it. How do you feel about yourself? What do you think is true? What do you believe to be true about yourself, about the situation, about transition, about what's on the other side of transition? What are your beliefs? Those beliefs will determine the actions you take and the actions you resist taking. Make sense? It makes perfect sense. It's interesting. Based on where I was at 50, had you told me quit now? My limiting beliefs were what they were to your point, but the other piece was, is the value and the fact that you don't think that you can figure it out and, and that you're not good enough to move on, that this is as good as it gets for you. You should be thankful, right, to be getting this paycheck and so on. And I can remember that going through my head, like, why are you not thankful for your corporate job? There's so many people out there that aren't so lucky. Yeah. And in hindsight, Kim, if I could tell my 20-year-old self sitting in anything too long and uh, thinking that something is just such a great gift devalues you. And throughout my whole life, that's what it was. You know what? Well, I'm not sure right. about being clear. Sitting in something that's not satisfying, that's unfulfilling, that creates exhaustion for too long, what happens? You leave yeah. feeling resented, re resentful. You leave feeling tired. You leave feeling depleted. You leave feeling like yourself all the time. Yeah. And that's where I was for the uh, about a year and a half. It's not the way I wanted to leave, but that's the way I left because I hung out, hung on too long. It's something that it's a pattern for me. I can tell you two other occurrences where I did it and somebody like had to kind of pretty much pull out. the rug out from yeah. under me. Yeah. Shuck me out because I'm not going to move kind of right. thing. Well, so and, uh, and th this one, at least I could say I took some control, but yes. <laughs> But here's the thing, and you said the exact word, we always, we have patterns, patterns of behavior, patterns of thought, the beliefs we have show up in patterns. You exactly said that. So when we work with people, when we work with clients, we are looking for their patterns, the patterns that serve them to move forward and the patterns that don't, the patterns that interfere with their ability to live a life of peace, ease, exhilaration, fulfillment, and joy, right? We're looking for that. Yes. Yeah. And I think where I was going before, I think it's uh, where I am now to where I was is night and day. It's night and day in terms of the potential that I see for myself in self-growth. Yeah. So any, anybody that, you know, that's, at, you know, that's out there thinking about uh, just an, analyzing their limiting beliefs right now, it's, it, 
think of the potential for of where you can go because I that's what I didn't have, obviously. It's uh that uh that viewpoint of yes. you already know where you are, right? You already know you don't like it. So isn't there a greater potential moving out? And that's what I didn't put two and two together. Well, you knew you weren't happy. You had no exactly. idea how to get to a happy place. You didn't know yeah, what no. you could do. You didn't know what was possible. You didn't know you could do. You didn't know a whole bunch of things, but you didn't believe anything different was possible. That's the yeah. key. It's not only you didn't know, but you didn't believe anything was possible. Yeah. Yeah. That pretty much sums it up. So what advice do you give a, a woman that may be on the cusp of a major transition? What should she be doing right now? Yeah, I guess. And- if first of all, like you, it sounds like you live through it alone and that doesn't make me happy. Uh, <laughs> if you feel, if anybody who's listening, if you feel like you need support or help, like find someone to help you, a coach, a therapist, a friend, a spouse, buddy. don't, don't think through things alone. Okay. So even sometimes when you're talking out loud and you're hearing yourself, you're like, oh, wow. Right. So A, don't go through it alone. B, when you feel this resistance, when you feel scared, nervous, fearful, uncomfortable, right, with the thought, what you want to do is, I'm a huge fan of journaling. Every single one of my clients journal every single day, and we are able to read and respond to their journals. But pick up a piece of paper and a pen or a computer, whatever, and start journaling and ask yourself a key question. What do I believe to be true about this transition and myself? What do I believe to be true about me? What do I believe to be true about this this change, this movement, this transition, this new opportunity, what do I believe to be true? And what you're going to notice when you write down all of your beliefs in those beliefs are all your limitations. And then you're going to say, is that actually true? Is it true I can't move right now? Is it true that I can't live without a, without benefits? Is it true that there are no benefits elsewhere? Is it true that if I leave now, I'm going to go to an unsafe place? Is it true that I can't figure it out? Is it true? And what you're going to find is that a lot of your beliefs are not true. Yeah. Right. So for any woman listening out there, I, for one, can say that I firmly believe in the uh, power of having a mentor or a coach walk you through this process as one who did it for five years, just muddling through. I, a coach will get you there where you want to be a lot faster because you got somebody to bounce it off of and yeah. you can hear your like. But having somebody just to bounce it off of is, is I think, the biggest benefit of, of having a coach. So I, I love that advice and the journaling, which is just something that I actually picked up. It's just been great. And it's, it took me six and a half years. And three of those years was just trying to reserve my energy. So for anybody listening out there. <laughs> right. right. For anybody listening out there, those three years are valuable. So yeah. if you're out there doing the same thing, it's something to consider. Oh, this. Throw one more thing in. Sure. Again, for those of you who are listening, if you want to pick up journaling, but you're like, okay, well, I journal, but then nothing happens. We just launched something fairly new. It's called the journal that talks back. And what happens is you get assigned to a coach, but you can journal as often as you want. But there's a coach, a real human certified coach on the other end who will read and respond to your journals and ask you key questions and coach you through any situation you're going through. It's called the journal that talks back. It's accessible, affordable, and really an unlimited coach. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Kim. I have Kim's website in the description. If you're going through a similar situation right now, you want change, 
is the way to go. So I encourage you to reach out to Kim and Frame of Mind Coaching. I have her website in the description, but I, I do hope you, you at least got, got something out of this conversation on your way to the supermarket or wherever you are. That, that closes us out. Thank you for listening. Thank you.